What's going on, everybody? It's DJ MV Angelie, Charlamagne the God. We are the Breakfast Club. And today we're talking about a whole lot of stuff. Pac Man Tokens, episode two. I'm yes, the sir. boy Frost with my co host, Tom Bill. Yes, sir. Know, All right, so not a lot happened over the last week, yeah. but enough to where we can actually have a good discussion. So, a little softball to start us off, right? Yeah. As you guys know, E3, Game Awards, Gamescom, all these kind of in-person gaming events have not been going on for like, I don't know, the past two, three years. Yeah. In-person stuff is no longer even, you know, an option for a lot of people. And, and that was one of the biggest things about the gaming industry was being able to play these games at these events and have people, you know, talk about them and make videos and stuff. Yeah, get hands on. Right. Good news is not only is the Game Awards and E3 you know, like coming back in full force, that they're going to have in-person events. They're going to come back harder than ever. And, you know, are we going? Uh, are we going? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to have to look at the schedule, but right. I'm guessing them tickets are going to be out the out the bank type of money because right. it's the first time in, like you said, two or three years that they're going to be in person. So mm. people are going to have a chance to really actually get that experience to be like, mm. oh, so this game is coming when? And then get to play it too. Unlike having the world premieres and be like, oh, it's now on Steam and stuff. Mm. So, I don't know. I mean, it'll be a it'll be a great time. I'm not gonna lie. To see Jeff in person, but <laughs> I don't know if that's gonna be a feasible thing. <laughs> you know, I'm down, bro. Like, I was just, I was looking at, I was just like, I was this close to never having been to an E3 or a Gamescom or a, any in-person gaming event. And I was just like, you know, if that's if it's going to come back, yeah. people are probably going to put a lot of money behind it. And the way I'm thinking is 2023 is really going to be stacked for games. It is. So imagine seeing gaming releases and announcements live in the crowd with the energy and shit like that, the 4K screens. I'm like, I got to be there. I, I want to be there because... That energy is gonna be. It's gonna have a memory that I'll never be able to, to have again. Probably, first E three, big games for the new console. PlayStation probably got stuff. Nintendo probably has stuff. Xbox probably has stuff. I'm ready. I'm psyched, bro. I am too. I'm psyched. I'm really. I'm really excited to see what else they can do. Because mm-hmm. when it comes to in person stuff, I know a lot of the, you know, acts or like the way that they have, some of the events go. Right. It's more catered to like having that interaction with the crowd. Mm-hmm. So if we can get something similar to like how it was two or three years ago, or even just maybe more of like a personal touch, besides having all these like pre-recorded messages, which is probably still gonna happen, given like right. the vast uh, spread of a lot of the developers and stuff that are coming out with games, mm-hmm. it would be nice. I mean, videos I think are gonna be especially good, especially right. coming from people that are having games come out this year Mm. but what i'm really excited to see is how people are going to actually feel with getting stuff hands-on because i know that's one of the main ways that i personally like to hear about games because i know reviews are always catered to the person that's playing it right but for someone that's like getting a chance to go through all of them and not just Mm -hmm. getting like a pre-alpha release or like a was it a code or something mm. and having that relation and be like oh i can see the similarities in this game and stuff like that right i feel like that makes a better review than just getting one game and sitting down with it mm-hmm. i'm i'm just like you know 
I agree. I'm like most excited to see some of the like I felt like I've been playing a lot of indie games the last couple of years, and I'm really excited just to see what the AAA studios have that are gonna actually like push our our gaming medium forward. Yeah, it's very interesting to see. You know, I've heard stories people have had hands on with games like Cyberpunk ahead of time, and they played that behind the scenes looks like number one helps us at this pod. Oh, but number yeah. two. It just, just, it's just a cool story to tell. Like, yeah, I played so and so game three years ago, and I got to talk to the developers, and we created this rapport or whatever, and and just having that that you know that first like, I sometimes go back and watch old E three events like game reveals and just like the energy of the crowd being there in live, seeing like Final Fantasy seven remake being like announced, yeah, seeing you know the Series X being announced at the Game Awards, like some of that stuff is just like. I want to be in that audience and have that experience of like, oh my God, did they really just announce this or seeing a first gameplay look of that, you know? And it's like, it's, it's cool to watch streamers and, yeah. and YouTubers stream it live, but I want to be there. I want to be like, I saw that in person. I was there, the, the greatest E3 of all time. Like imagine being there for one of those, you know what I'm saying? I know. I mean, like I said, it's definitely something I feel like mm-hmm. would be a monumental memory, especially yeah. given like our interest in gaming. But I think there's gonna be a lot of a lot of people there, and then mm-hmm. just having that come back into an in-person event, like it's gonna be it's gonna be a very how, how can I say this a very large spectacle, I would right, say. Right. Because imagine is, running into Berlizzi or some shit. It is cool having that idea of like, oh, these people are gonna come, right. like Berlizzi or just other content creators, but. Mm-hmm. Man, is that gonna be a lot? <laughs> like going from not going at all to like one of the biggest probably mm. comebacks they're gonna have. Right. I mean, I'm. Shit, hey, bro. It is. It's like it's just one of those things where I gotta you. You gotta just go against your better judgment. Like, yeah. You might get annoyed after like day one or two, but at least you'll be like, you're in LA for the summer. You got you get to see a bunch of cool games. Probably meet a couple of creators that you watch. Maybe bag some some down, you feel me? <laughs> That's a possibility, I guess, yeah. And then at the end of the day, have that have that memory, you know what I'm saying? It's like saying yes to the like the thing that you may be a little bit iffy on for the yeah. most part. Um, are there any games that like or like you're like not maybe games but in general, what company do you feel like you're most excited to see at if you if if we end up going to like E three or game awards like what company, what game, what genre are you most looking forward to seeing next year when things really like kick into high gear? Um, me personally, I've been in more interested in a lot of like single player RPG games. Right. Uh, most either being from like established companies, either Bandai Namco with their JRPGs okay. or Atlas, continuing the JRPG stuff. Mm-hmm. But some indie games or just like other genres or subgenres of the JRPG or just RPG genre has been interesting to me. I feel like I would love to see more stuff coming out of Platinum Games. I know they're doing their Bayonetta 3 stuff right now, but mm-hmm. just that whole vibe that I get from playing their games, I would love to see what else they could do. Um, what else? I feel like if we can get some more possible like sports games because i know that we're coming out with a lot new variations to them i know they had like 
Windjammers, and then most recently there's been uh, the talk about Skate coming back, mm-hmm. being free to play too, which is an interesting model. Interesting. Uh, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I feel like it's going to be harder, at least for me, because then they're going to start to use monetization a mm-hmm. lot because they already know there's a fan base that's going to be dedicated to playing the game. Right. So if they want to make that money back, they're going to have to implement something that's going to be like a constant stream. And I don't know what that is yet, so that's why I'm mm-hmm. a little iffy. I feel like if I had the chance to play it, I will, but I don't know how long-term I'm going to keep like coming back to it. Uh, but I feel like that's my main areas is either sports or like RPG games right now. So that's my main focus when I'm looking at the, either the new releases or world premieres. Right. But... I I'm in the, I'm in a similar spot like I definitely want to see like more companies like I definitely want to see like NBA Live back. Okay. I want to see FIFA Street come back. I oh, want to yeah. see NBA um I think it's NBA Street as well. Like I want to see more um spin-offs of these major franchises come back. Like I want to see college football. I want to see backyard football again and all oh. that stuff. Throw back, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I want to see some stuff like that. Just have more fun. Because, like, though I love simulation, it's like, those are some really cool casual times to get yeah. into stuff, you know? Um, I, I'm i really looking forward to, like, some games that I haven't heard anything about for a long time. Number one, I want to hear Avowed news from Xbox. You know what Avowed is? Avowed? No. No, Avowed. Avowed? No. Basically, the team Obsidian, right? Yeah. They make Grounded, The Outer Worlds. Yeah. They made Fallout New Vegas. When they got purchased by Xbox in like 2018, 19, they were going to make a Skyrim similar, a Skyrim adjacent RPG game set in the Pillars of Eternity. So just like a lot more hardcore medieval than okay. like Skyrim, but still like the same kind of ideas. Big budget, AAA five-year development cycle, so it's, like, going the full nine yards. Yeah. They haven't said a peep about the game since 2020, and yeah. it's supposed to, like, it's on schedule based on, like, what Jeff Grubb was saying on Twitter, like, estimation-wise, internal schedules is 2023 was going to be, like, the year they, they had it on, and so hopefully they can hit that, and yeah. I would love to see that because, like, I'm really deep into, like, those type of RPGs, like, first-person like, though I love my third-person RPGs, like, first-person RPGs where you, like, you're the character, mm-hmm. you have your skills, magic, and you're in this place where you can, like, really role-play. I love those games. And the second one we was talking about earlier, where is Crimson Desert, bro? Yeah. After seeing that trailer and then right. being reminded of it literally today, right. I don't think I've seen anything else besides that mm-hmm. come out for news or just information. Not at all. So... Like you're saying, I really am interested to see what they can do with it because it seemed like a very much updated version of like either Black Desert type of vibe or just mm. the setting with it being more like towards medieval. So if they could do something either with new releases or just talk about it in general, either with E3 or just Game Awards or something, right. I feel like that would be really interesting to see, especially coming out with, you know the new consoles having them be like the base for it and then seeing what they can do to like elaborate on what it what they already showed us that is like one of the games that it just looks so technically impressive yeah to have a very 
hyper-realistic medieval game, super action-focused with all these cool particle effects. And uh, maybe it's like snake oil where it's like they're trying to like, they're just putting all their budget into flashiness and there's like real no substance in the actual game. I've been burned like that a couple of times in like the MMO genre. So that's another game. And then there's another game. It's like, uh, don't laugh at me for this, but Doke V. Have you seen that one? I don't think so. I got you. Peep this. I think it's made by the same developers, Pearl Abyss or the publisher. It's like, um, it's like, it's kind of like Pokemon where it's like you have, you're like in this, like, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to get canceled, but I don't think you're going to get canceled. Oh, not, with the young kids and shit? Yeah. Like the okay. little, like, that's like a MMO, like Pokemon kind of like spinoff where you're like you have like your avatar yeah and you have like your animal fire you fight things in this like world and it's very just like dynamic and animation style like very um illumination style animation okay. beautiful stuff like i don't know what it was but i've always wanted to see what somebody can do with a pokemon game that actually has power behind the hardware yeah and that game really intrigued me i was just like the animations the world the the kind of just scale of everything though those are kind of the things that i'm hoping next year i can get my hands on in person or see at an e3 so now for, for probably for like the lesser known topic of the of the day we'll just touch on this lightly but i'm not trying to spend a lot of time on this but ea and koei tecmo announced a game called wild hearts it's like um a monster hunter clone um, that's the simplest way to put it right <laughs> they call it the next generation of hunting game but mm. i actually feel like these games share a lot of res- uh, similarities with the Soulsborne, the way okay. that it's like big bosses and you gotta like e- every time you do a move it's like heavy or light and then you have to commit to the move and you can't just like you know you have to learn patterns and rhythms and stuff like that but you know it's an original game by Koei Tecmo, published by EA Originals. Um, truly AAA experience is what they call it, you know. Um, let's see. The game is basically set... I don't know if it's Feudal Japan, but definitely... That's uh, its inspiration, I'll say. Right. It's a lot of games in that kind of... Yeah, uh, based in the feud- fantasy Feudal Japan with yeah. details to come later this month. So it's basically a hunting game, right, based on... Japanese lore and yeah. Japanese kind of myths and legends. <laughs> I'm saying Japanese lore is crazy because it makes it seem like it's like a mythical tale or a land. Or I mean, like for a lot of the Japanese stuff that we see, especially in media, it's focusing primarily on the mythology that comes from the country, the island. So it's like, to say, to say lore, you're not far off because that's the way that a lot of people look at it is like, oh, mm-hmm. all these fantastical things that come out of japan is what japan is which is mm-hmm. it's kind of good and bad at sometimes i just don't want to talk about it like fnaf yeah or like um undertale yeah but just a quick synopsis is like um it's about forgotten why the kimono are okay. so desperate the once peaceful beasts are now on a rampage although you are a visitor to these lands azuma needs you to help you must stop them from wreaking havoc so it sounds like Azuma or Izuma, Azuma could, like an A. Okay, because I know there's like different gods and stuff based off of the Shinto religion that like has 
connections to creation and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I don't know if they were going in that lane, which I mean they could, but it is not. It is a Zuma, which is interesting. I don't. I don't know any guys mm-hmm. based off of that. I'm not that versed into it, but I'm guessing it's probably just a character specific for the game. And I, it, based on like the like the two images here of like this monster with that one, it kind of looks like they're gonna just take you know Japanese myths, legends, and tales, and they're gonna create these animals out of them. Yeah. And you're gonna just travel this land with magic and and a lot of, you know, it's like it's, it's gonna be like Ghost of Tsushima legends mixed with Breath of the Wild mixed with Monster Hunter. And based on that, like art style alone, has me hooked. And the premise alone has me hooked, just like interested in what it's gonna be bringing. But you know, are you are you day one? I'm not day one. I feel like for yeah. what I'm seeing now, right? It's more into that monster monster hunter vibe, right. which I'm somewhat versed in. Like I played a little bit of Monster Hunter World. Right. Didn't do I think it was Sunbreak or Rise. Didn't do Rise on the Switch, mm-hmm. but I've seen a lot of people play it and enjoy it. Uh, just more so not what i would want <laughs> when i play games it's not a Damn, bad game what's, what's at wrong? all it's just not the type of games that i'm like attracted to like i only got monster hunter world because it was like on dirt cheap sale like 14 dollars or something it's a great game right. like for what it is i love it but it's not like one of those games i'll keep on coming back to because i just think it's too much of a content grind you have to do like mm-hmm. i used to play destiny and stuff and i already understand like <laughs> Staying on top of what's coming out and like right, being Destiny able to <laughs> being able <laughs> to make sure you actually are at the top level or whatever light level, it's right. a lot harder than just playing a game at your own pace like RPG or like being able to go back and do a lot of replay value, which there is there, but it's a lot harder to have it be like for a fun element, you know. It yeah um I played it off Game Pass when I first got my Series X and just like wanted to try a bunch of games to see how they ran and i believe they had a 60 fps patch and my main thing was just like speed bro mm. it's so slow yeah that movement and like the hub areas it's not a seamless world but it's not like it, it, it felt like it was a game built for the 360 era just using the power of the ps4 and P- xbox one yeah which is like I just felt like, you know, it just felt like very, um, Tales, not, not Tales of Arise, but, you know, it felt like Tales of Arise did in a lot of ways, where Tales of Arise did a lot more action-focused, and I feel like Monster Hunter World, their hubs weren't in, engaging for me as well. But, based on what Wild Hearts looks like, action looks to be quicker, because, you know, yeah. Koei Tecmo, they're, like, masters of that, that yeah. realm. So, I'm excited, and, you know... Do you have any other thoughts on that? Uh, I just want to see what else they do for weapons. Because right. I know they had a trailer with it. And they were showing some of like, the extensions or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to call them in the game. Where it's either you have like a different version of the weapon you start off with. Like with right. the katana in the video. They had it become like extended and stuff. And I want to see what else they can think of. I mean, given the base of Monster Hunter, there's pretty much with tens or a very large amount that they could do variations so mm. seeing their spin on it and how they would implement it into the game and whatever other features they're trying to do i want to see if that looks appealing as well as like their monsters i guess that they're gonna have in it i also saw recently that tencent is also looking to 
do the same. Invest heavily through acquisition. Hmm. And now we're in a spot where EA, not EA, but Google has shut down Stadia because they didn't want to throw around that type of money to yeah. kind of upkeep that type of service and platform. You know, PlayStation is doing the same. Xbox is definitely doing the same. Number one, who do you think Tencent, who do you think would be the next big publisher acquisition for either Tencent or the Saudi Arabian company, or I think it is the government, but what do you think is the next big acquisition in that realm? Like who who they would grab? Yeah, who do you think they would grab, and what company do you think they would go to, either Tencent or the Saudi Arabian company? Um, I guess maybe Team Ninja, because I feel like they've been solid throughout. Team Ninja? Yeah, unless they do their own thing, but I feel like they've been solid throughout, and I think maybe... Tencent would get on that, especially with the, <laughs> yeah, just the idea of like them being able to create because they've been creating a lot of games that people are just enjoying. So right. they would have like more money to either be backed into that or just to help promote other things. Mm. I feel like that would be a really good uh, collaboration between the two. You um, have a bigger one, like a, a actual like large scale like. billion dollars right now nah because i'm thinking everyone else probably has their own idea what they want to do right and like taking that i guess sponsor type of money or like Mm -hmm. just having that safety net isn't really in their interest right now unless it comes like with a really large advance which i mean i don't know how many of the developers really need that right so i can't really think of one right now so actually I'm a, like I like the way you went with that. I have a small one and then I have bigger ones. Okay. So like my more controlled one is also a Japanese company. It's Platinum Games. Yeah. They have been struggling. Babylon's oh, Fall for sure. had like three people playing it at one point. That game is ending service and the only games that they are kind of the only games that kind of work for them are continuing IP with Nintendo really. Yeah. Outside of Nintendo, they haven't had a lot of success as a company. No. Um, you know, scale bound, rest in peace. Um, you know, Babylon's Fall. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, they ha- they did have one game on Nintendo that was a new IP. Astro Train. Astro Train. That was yeah. that's definitely one that they probably should get in their bag on a little bit. I but, I don't know. I know it was interested. Like right. a lot of people were like, okay, we'll see. It's Platinum Games, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've done a lot of stuff, but I feel like. If it comes to like an IP, right. they should revisit some of their older ones because they still have Beautiful Joe, which I feel like is really interesting, and they could probably do like an int- like a more updated version of right because it was already like quote unquote like a meta type of thing, uh, and then they could go back to Wonderful One Hundred One because I know that game was well received like it even got its remaster, mm. it, it came on PC and stuff like that, so I feel like if they could focus more so on like they're already successful games mm-hmm. more so than like trying to expand to new ones right. then they can do a lot especially with Bayonetta 3 coming out like that's mm-hmm. gonna be a huge promoter maybe it will get the attention of someone like Tencent right but I think Tencent is probably the runner like the leader to grab them yeah they already invested in them they're already you know proximity wise in terms of culture and, and like location it makes sense just to not have to move and contact and have translators and stuff you can just be you know in that area already i i'm thinking i'm going big i think the next three companies to get acquired is either going to be sega 
Sega, Sega, Sega. I thought I said M word. No, no, you cool. Sega. Yeah. Um. Square Enix. Square Enix would be solid. Yeah. Or CD Projekt Red. I think those three companies are going to be the next ones. Not okay. but one. Square Enix just did a huge purge to. Which what I've I've read is what a lot of companies do is to trim their fat before acquisition of a larger mm-hmm. company is sell off the or like figure out the business aspects of your business that are not making you money, either you know lay off those people or redistribute them in other areas. They sold off uh, outside of um, no they sold off all their Western companies. They no longer make games for the West. They make Japanese games. They make JRPGs. They make triple-a jrpgs they no longer care about you know putting out western games and so which is crazy because the last western game they put out was actually pretty good guardians of the galaxy that was amazing game but in general i think sony's gonna grab them i think the relationship between them is so close and powerful i believe they already fit the mold yeah and i believe sony could probably get them the cheapest out of any company just because Sony has been putting money into them religiously. Yeah. I think CD Projekt Red is probably going to get acquired by Saudi Arabia. Because I know there's probably a little bit of, um, you know, governmental things when it comes to acquiring foreign country, foreign yeah. companies. But I feel that, you know, Xbox probably won't get them because Xbox is tied up right now. PlayStation really has their Western divisions locked up. They really, PlayStation really needs to just secure their, their um, Japanese side because Xbox is looking, other companies are looking. Yeah. And I feel that, you know, Tencent is going to go in and they're going to pick up Sega. Because Sega, they're doing amazing right now. But the thing with them what, that had them in trouble, I think a few years ago, was just like, it costs a lot of money to produce at the level Sega does. And Sega doesn't really make hit games like that yeah they make like solid really really good games but they're not coming out like they don't have like one franchise where you're like this game sells 15 to 20 million copies and they don't have a platform like xbox doesn't have a game that does 20 30 million sales but they have a platform and they have microsoft playstation has games like spider-man and god of war you know take two has gta CD Projekt Red at least has Cyberpunk and The Witcher, who sold 20 million respectively, and then Ubisoft has Assassin's Creed. You look at Sega, you're like, Sonic doesn't sell well. That's their mascot. Yeah. You know, I believe Sega also has the Yakuza franchise. That's more of like a popular niche, really. It's like not a lot of people outside of that realm really care about those type of games. And, you know, Atlas games are cool. They do really well. But they're not selling 20, 30 million. They're not really like five to ten. Yeah, you even hear about Soul Hackers too? Yeah. I, I thought I, I thought I was gonna get it, but then I was like, you know what? No, I'm not. Yeah. I think a lot of people after just seeing a lot of reviews or just some playing the game didn't really vibe with it. Which is really really sad because they were right. trying to do like a from what I've seen, a combination of persona and Shinab. Shin Megami Tensei, mm-hmm. which is a weird collaboration because they're so separate that trying to have like a middle ground mm-hmm. just makes it muddled. Like, there's no real standout feature from it that would be like, oh yeah, 
I like Soul Hackers. And right. it's odd because like Soul Hackers was already a game that they already made. So putting the two on it, at least for me, I was like, what about the first one? Because I had never heard of it until nobody, they talked about it. Nobody really so heard I of was it. like, I guess this is a sequel, but I didn't even know Correct. what the first game was. So, so that's why I'm really keen on seeing where they go. Yeah, they just are. They're doing well, but they're primed to be, you know, the next company that's going to be like either majority stake in the company is going to get bought, or they're just going to be, you know, owned by a different company. And I think it's going to be, um, Tencent. Yeah. But to kind of continue in this acquisition realm, you know, recently, right, Google Stadia shut down just last week. They are going to stop service in January of 2023. And they are really getting out of the gaming industry in terms of platform making and, and like owning companies that produce their own content. And, you know, recently just like more news on the Activision Blizzard deal, Jim Ryan, who is the president of, I think, PlayStation Gaming or Sony, or he's not the president of Sony, but he's, I think, the president of PlayStation. And he took a trip to the UK and spoke with the regulators over there about the deal. He really does not want it to go through. As well as Google, shortly after, you know, they went ahead and... um close down their gaming division they recently have also joined in that that effort to say that they are concerned about the deal and now for the most part a lot of people who are in the know feel that you know this 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 uh acquisition is going to go through but whether if they're going to have to make some agreements before yeah you know and i was like what do you what are your thoughts about that like what do you think is going to be like the outcome and what do you think the angle is for those two companies I think the outcome is going to be that it actually happens. I mean, mm-hmm. for what we said last time, the only real idea that I can see for, like, pushback is being that exclusivity between, was it Sony and Call of Duty? Because mm-hmm. I don't think PlayStation really had many stakes when it came to Activision or Blizzard that was, like, specifically for it. So mm-hmm. the only thing that I could see them losing out on is Call of Duty. For... What I see between the two companies, or at least the new intervention between Google and having their idea of being like, oh, this might not be the best for whatever situation, is more so maybe money. Because I know a lot of services and stuff that are on Sony is mostly like through a lot of other applications. So I don't know if there's like a deal between Google and them that they've been like trying to figure out or at least had that I possibly haven't really researched on that could make it be like, oh, yeah, well, if we lose Call of Duty, then we'll lose a lot of those, like, collaboration events or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, a direct impact I cannot see between Google and this actual acquisition. So I'm interested to see what else they could talk about or at least have for their reasoning behind being against it. I'm just, like... One, I'm I'm kind of like just over the discussion in general, but I just feel like it's such a weird way to look at it. Yeah. From the PlayStation side, like out of any company on the planet that should be worried about acquiring things and keeping things from other platforms, it's them and Nintendo. Yeah. Who have been like the most 
closed off ecosystems in gaming for a long time. And I'm kind of just at this position where I'm saying, yo, you guys look desperate and you guys look scared. Yeah. And even if this deal doesn't go through, I'm convinced that it's still going to, like, just this deal being hung around everybody, it's going to dam- damage PlayStation as a company. Because they look scared, they look ill-prepared for the future, and they look nervous. And I'm just confused, like, how is number two in revenue from the last generation and in gaming in general, how are they the ones? You know what I'm saying? PS5, fastest-selling console of all time. How are you guys the ones that are so afraid of competition where Call of Duty is not even that important? Because yeah. literally tomorrow... I can bet you everything I own that tomorrow a PlayStation hit up Square Enix and was like, yo, how much? All of your games are platform exclusive. They'd give them, they'll, they'll, they had that deal done by the end of the week. Bro. Oh, yeah. If they hit up almost any Japanese company, they could probably have that deal done tomorrow. If they do, if they hit up any Western company, like if they hit up CD Projekt Red, if they hit up, um, who are some of these? If they hit up IOI, the Hitman guys, mm. if they hit up, you know, Insomnia. Yeah, if they hit up some of these kind of like studios that are kind of loose. Yeah, they could get an acquisition done. Yeah, and Call of Duty is important to the gaming ecosystem. Like it brings in billions of dollars a year, and it's a really big money maker for them. But for the most part. They're, they are afraid that the business model that they built won't hold weight. The thing that they built their company on will not hold weight once Xbox is seen as a legitimate threat. And I think that's what scares them. Is that, you know, not Nintendo, not Ubisoft or Take-Two, not Tencent or Act or um, um, Saudi Arabian government. They're scared that once Xbox becomes a legitimate threat to their throne, based on Xbox's financial status from Microsoft being able to supply them with almost unlimited funds. Yeah. They were like I feel like they believe that they their business model will become null and void cuz how can we sell people $70 games when the other company is giving them game pass? Yeah. How can we sit here and expect people to get games on PC 6 months to a year after release when Xbox is their day one? How can we expect to get third-party partners to join with us and give us exclusivity when Xbox has equal amount of console sales, when they have PC initiatives, when they have cloud gaming. Yeah. And I feel like they just weren't prepared for this generation, and they're going to fucking... At the end of the generation, they're going to be looking around, and they're going to be like, damn, we were not prepared, mm-hmm. and they're going to get a blow to the chin. Because that's what it looks like to me, is that everything that they stand for is at threat because Xbox is coming back hard. And... I would, like, for the company that I started out with first, I would like to have seen them actually do more to actually be like, you know what? If, as long as you guys could give us maybe two, two, three extra years on that Call of Duty exclusivity to, like, 2029 or something like that, and then you say, you know, other than that, that acquisition can go through, Yeah, I think they could easily just, like, make that push, and it would work. Because I'm telling you, if if you drop like for example, God of War did twenty million exclusive on PS on PS four. Yeah. Uh, when it went on PC, it sold like over a million copies or something like that on PC alone. So I imagine if it was like same day, same time, they'd probably do easily like thirty five million. Yeah. And it's like, 
they just need to evolve and stop being like Nintendo because you can't they you can't play in that realm because Nintendo has played in that realm for two, three, four generations now where they have underpowered hardware and nobody else gets their stuff. Yeah. You rather have I feel like they're trying to play the middle ground. They want their exclusive content when they want to give it to you and when they stop really making money off of it and they want to kind of give it to other people. It's like nah, that's not the name of the game anymore. Unless you you're unless you're gonna keep everything exclusive, exclusive forever, yeah, you're gonna need to play ball with everybody else. I feel like that's the main idea that we're gonna most likely see, especially throughout this acquisition idea, is how right. they're gonna recuperate from it. Because I feel like we're both in agreement that either this is gonna go through or the deal is just gonna be stopped or is gonna stop being talked about right in a couple like more weeks, maybe like a month or so. Because they still have those games that are coming out uh, that are, like, more, I would say, more important than this. Like, God of War is coming out soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have some other titles that are, like, set up, like, Forspoken. I don't know anything else right now that's, like, somewhat soon, but... Final Fantasy sixteen. Yeah, they still have other stuff that they have to focus on that I feel like would be better, uh, a better use of attention than this, because... Right now, it just seems like they don't know what they want to do past the like past this next two or three years. It seems mm-hmm. like they haven't planned out anything else, which is really really weird for them because they've mm-hmm. had that type of idea of like, oh, we could upsell people on games, we could we can make not enough models of our actual console and stuff right. like that, and still be like secure enough that they wouldn't like go out of business, but. If they're moving like this on this deal, the only idea I can see is them just not being prepared, like you're saying, mm. which is which is very interesting from some company that has been able to like mm. manufacture basically how we have seen the gaming industry. So, and they don't they don't feel they don't look confident. Yeah, they don't look like they have confidence in their business model. If they did, like like you were saying, like you have like. They need to go worry about marketing Horizon Forbidden West because mm. that game literally got scrambled because of um, Elden Ring. Yeah. You focus on getting that game back up. Focus on, you know what I'm saying, The Last of Us, um, what is it? The Last of Us Remake. Yeah. Focus on getting that marketing up. Focus on Grand Turismo 7. Focus on the games that you have coming out that people are buying. Focus on the PC ports. Make sure people actually know where to find your games. You know, the more attention and resources you put to making sure that this company doesn't, you're actually shooting yourself in the foot, I yeah. feel like. Because if I'm, if I'm like a primarily PlayStation gamer and I'm like, I get it, Call of Duty isn't there, but we've been asking y'all for a SOCOM comeback. Or um, the one that, what was that other one that they've had? You, know, you remember the one that launched with the PS4 and it's like it was made by Gorilla before they made... Uh, Damn, I gotta look no it up. Idea, it's gonna kill me. Bro. They need to focus on bringing back SOCOM. They need to focus on. Damn, what's the name of their game? Do you remember anything else about it? It was made by Guerrilla Games. It was, you know. Yes, but where? First, we... yeah, PS4. No idea. You know, it was. It was an amazing. Killzone. Killzone? Yeah. Okay. They need to focus on bringing back Killzone. And maybe they need to focus on bigging up Destiny and creating that synergy with Destiny's Destiny. about to be done, though. Man. Apparently, they're on their last uh, expansion with the new uh, one that's coming out 
relatively soon. Either that or like mm-hmm. at the end of this year. So we'll see what happens because they got shooters. Yeah. So as one could say, Destiny is equal to, in some respects, the Call of Duty, where it's like it may not be as, um, as ginormous financially, but in terms of relevance, like it's a game that's been around. Destiny as like a brand has been strong for like the last ten years. Yeah. Even though they've messed up on launches, they've been like the biggest multiplayer games of the last ten years. So I don't know what the concern is. I don't know what the kind of idea is. It just seems like they understand that they are not equipped yet for Xbox to be swinging this hard. Yeah. But looks like we're out of time. You know what I'm saying? You any last words for the people? Uh, no, I don't. All right, well, that has been episode two of Pragmatic Tokens. A little bit weirder this episode. We'll get back to usual next week. Yes, sir. Um, hopefully some more news comes out. Some more, you know, breathtaking, you know, like a GTA 6 leak or something like that. You know what I mean? But until next time, my guys and ladies. I don't think no bitches listen to this. <laughs> uh, I don't think if you're calling them that, they will, yeah. No beautiful women.